all the same, no matter time, no place. They don't understand that us kids are going to make some mistakes. So to you other kids all across the land, there's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. Hi, welcome to I Don't Hate This, the Avantis Guard podcast. I'm Nina Lidoff. I'm Eric Wenzel, and this is our podcast. <laughs> it sure is. So, uh... Today we are here to talk about parents. Yeah. They just don't they understand. They just don't understand. <laughs> but uh, first we have some business to get to. We have our Christopher Williams update. Christopher Williams update. <laughs> <laughs> we need theme music, definitely. Uh, would you uh, like to um, fill us in? On our Christopher Williams news. Um, oh, I would if I had the actual thing in front of me. Oh, I'm stupid I and I don't have my phone or any kind of information. I guess there's a computer here, but I don't know if it works. Um, well, the Christopher Williams catalog was given an award. For, an award for excellence, it, probably. Well, I believe that uh, there was a French photo show. and um, It was probably at Paris Photo. Yes. Which was last week. Yes. And at their, at that event, he had a booth to himself. Um, <laughs> like he would share a booth with anyone. Get real. They did some booth project. Um, and I think that's where he got one of the awards for the catalog, correct? I don't know. When we were talking about this before the show began, you were like just knocking off all the bullet points. And you just like, I was like, oh, I don't even need to ask if you have this information ready because you memorized it, like you're quoting it and everything. <laughs> the Bible, quoting the gospel of Christopher Williams. Yes. The gospel according to Christopher Williams is very long. Um, we also figured out, yes, indeed, there is a third venue for the production line of happiness, which is the white, white chapel. chapel gallery in London, in London, England. That's the green one. The green gallery. Was... Oh, I see. Yes. Um, we um, also learned that there's a series of catalogs. Um, and one's the, called the German book or something like that. Yeah. The printed in Germany book. Yes. Christopher Williams printed in Germany. And it's a second volume also in yellow, red and green that accompanies this the exhibition catalog. But it's not the same. It's just pictures of the installation. And I think they have a really hyperbolic. Which suddenly makes sense why he cared so much about getting good installation. Yeah, photos. I was reading that and I was like, oh, someone's going to eat their shoes on this. Isn't that yeah. a thing you do? You eat your words. You eat your hat. You eat your hat. There we go. Or as the French say, only some cats like to ride Roombas. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find. Oh, there it is. Guess how much the printed in Germany edition of the catalog costs. Do you want me to guess? I want the studio. I want, like, you know, the audience at home to be guessing in their minds. Do you know? I'm I'm being quiet. I'm letting them guess. Oh. Okay. So, do you know? I think you, it's either 140 dollars or 140 pages. <laughs> Can't remember. <laughs> it's 120 dollars. 120 dollars. It's 68 euros and it's 75 pounds. So that's how you know that. that's how heavy is it the is. Strongest actually. currency. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is some bull. 
because that's it expensive. seems worth it. Isn't it full color? It's not worth it. It doesn't matter. It's Christopher Williams. He's about global exploitation. Is it soft cover? The the other catalogs were soft. It is. It's fucking a soft cover book for one hundred twenty dot. What? How many pages is it? Does it say? Um, it has the dimensions of it. It's three hundred seventy two pages, and only one hundred thirty eight of them are in color. Pfft. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, but isn't that the one where they're like, uh, there's no word. The first catalog is all words and no pictures, and the second one is all pictures and no words. And then it starts, it jumps into this whole thing about, oh, this will the pictures act as text? That's pretty much These Christopher Williams' picture. thing. Yeah. Um, but just to make sure he also uses text as text. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of it. Maybe ad nauseum. Yeah. Whatever. Well, this sounds that's like a good the Christmas, story, though. I the, still have yeah. Christopher Williams stories. Yeah. When he came to the Art Institute, he walked into the shop and bought a copy of his catalog. Yeah. And the clerk was like, are you a member of the museum? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> he was a member of the museum. And that's how she knew it was Christopher Williams, because his member card said Christopher Williams on it. And she was like, like this Christopher Williams? And he was like, yep. And she's like, won't they give you a catalog? And he was like, like, nope, cheap ass. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's like, yeah, probably, but I just wanted to buy it for a friend. And that catalog costs like $50. Wow. Worth every penny. Yeah. It's a good catalog. Williams puts his money where his mouth is. Yes. And uh, yeah, so what's the word it won? It won like, was it the Aperture Foundation for the design of the catalog? That actually sounds probably right. Um. An aperture is a hole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it took me a second to understand what you were trying to say. It won Photography Catalog of the Year Award. Wow. Um, Oh, there's a video. We got to watch that. We're going to put a link to that on there. Is it on Vimeo? Yeah, it's on Vimeo. I don't know if our listeners at home know this, but the RD. Oh. Um. Yeah. We're going to play the, a little we're gonna bit gonna of it. We're going to plug in it. Yeah, we're going to listen to the audio. Okay. We don't know what's going to happen though. This we is a mystery. Oh, the video I think is about printed in Germany. I don't think oh, it's okay. about. Oh wait, no. It's just says winner of the photography catalog of the year, the production line of happiness, and printed in Germany. And now it's only thirty three seconds, so that's oh, okay. perfect. Hold on to your butts. Oh, nice. Should I read the text? <laughs> Can this be the theme song to the podcast we're looking for? They're flipping through the catalog. This maddening, compulsive set of books is perfectly in keeping with the material-obsessed nature of William's work. <laughs> it's a video with with just music. Christopher Williams. Wow. So that's what the video sounds like. But when we put a link on it, you can see uh, it's one of those videos that there's not actually any motion in it. It's just a bunch of still images. What did it say? Animation. It just said Christopher Williams catalog. Yeah, I mean, they read the quote about it. now. So, yeah, everybody go buy that. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not endorsing it. (laughs) Um, So... Okay. 
You so, want to read our fan mail? No, I don't. Because oh, there's, there's more? one more item. Oh, yeah. In the last item of Christopher news. Williams news. Um, you should tune in next time because our senior Christopher Williams correspondent, Andre Kello, will be in New York, not Germany. I come <laughs> We're sending him to Germany to look Germany. at the book being printed. Um, <laughs> no, Andre Kello, senior, senior, senior Christopher Williams correspondent. Oh, man. I'm he'll really... be visiting the show at David's Mourner. Yeah. And he'll tell us how it was. Because, oh, and, and uh, probably could we also confusing. send, could we possibly send him to the MoMA to see the production line of happiness? There? No, it closed. Oh, it closed. You could go to London to see it. Now we know that. Oh, and then you could also see uh, Zygmunt Polka. Oh yeah, basically, like if London. you went, if you went to New York a couple of months ago, don't go to London because there's nothing new to see there. If you write your name on a three by five card, ask your parents' permission, and send it into I don't hate this care of uh, Andre Callow Media Empire. Uh, you could be entered in a contest to follow the shows we talk about <laughs> on this podcast around the world. Yeah. Um, void in all states. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tickets should not be taken internally. <laughs> all right. Do you want to read our fan mail? I do. So, fan mail! <laughs> should I make oh, the sorry. oscillating fan noise? <laughs> Is that good? That, you did it last time. All right, go ahead. All right. Yeah, no, that that's good. Um so, I'm pulling it up here. I'm pulling it up and learning how to read on the air. This is courtesy of Gmail. Uh, if you have... You can... Oh, jeez. You can email us your questions, comments, or fan mail at I don't hate this at gmail.com. Correct. Um, Christina L. writes to us from Alaska. She says... Love the podcast, but how <laughs> <laughs> well, all good emails should start. Like like all things from parents. <laughs> I'm very proud of you, but this is actually not from any of our parents though. Um I like Pollock. Come on. And then she quotes us. You. Well, no, she no. quotes you specifically. Okay. We are I don't hate this, so we do things collectively. Oh, the royal we. Come on. Quote, no one cares about Pollock anymore except the lumpen masses. And she's <laughs> she spells it lumpen like lump. I love how it's spelled. Yeah, it's exactly um, how you said it. Say it isn't so, guys. But still, I love the podcast. Keep up the great work and all the laughs. Thanks, Chris L. Thank you. Sorry. About the lumpen masses comment. No, you're correct. I was well, you know, I was kind of on a roll there, and I was like, I guess I just better. But it was see funny. It you guys admit <laughs> it was pretty funny, even if you were offended by it. Yes. <laughs> even if you were like a Pollock collector, and yeah. you're listening to this show, which is highly likely. <laughs> and like, you were like, I, yeah. me, and my highly curated private collection are not lumpen masses. Me and my highly curated husband. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's one of those where you just start talking. You're like, uh, I guess I'm going to say that no one cares about Pollock now. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for writing. And you can reach us at I don't hate this at gmail.com. You can reach us at I don't hate this at gmail.com. Okay, so let's get into it. All right. You've dropped some hints about what this episode's about. It's about 
um, parents. You know that it's about you know that thing when you're a kid and you got these two grown-ups that tell you to do stuff and you're what like I drag. don't want to do it. They also like feed you and like love you and buy you like school supplies and clothes <laughs> and like pay for your house and oh, what a drag. Yeah. And sometimes um, you never grow up and you, they just keep just doing don't that. Understand. They just keep doing that for like decades. And then you know how when you move out and then your life doesn't turn out the way you thought it would and so you move I don't know in. because I'm just never going to leave. <laughs> um Yeah. Parents, so you've all we've all had them. We've all had unless them at you're one point or another. An orphan, so no, I turn but you off still the have, podcast. Yeah. Okay, we're going to get some mail about that, and then you can answer for it. <laughs> um, okay, so can I tell you a parent, an art parent story? Well, I think we should set up a little bit more. So okay. we're going to, we're not going to talk about all aspects of art and parenting, but we're going to talk about some of them. Um, and this has mainly come about um, from conversations we've had uh, about being an arty farty kid and having parents and I guess and what that, I think just that, that, that this is about <laughs> is that no matter how much your parents try to support your art and be like you can be they a can't. creative kid they can't um well I think it mainly came because you just sent me some text messages because you were really pissed <laughs> off and I was like we should talk about this publicly yeah we should talk about this very personal thing in public. in public. I asked my mom if it was okay, and she said it was okay. I didn't ask my dad. I forgot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're listening, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be listening. We listen to the podcast all together. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gather, I live at home. Ra- in case ra- anyone <laughs> didn't know about it, because you could just Google my name and see how it was all in Crane Chicago business. She's called the boomerang. I oh, live at home. And have always. Except for that period when you were in college. Yeah, and like when I was studying abroad and like when I was living in Vermont. But, you know, all the other times. <laughs> I, I sleep in the same room that I did as a teen. I is that, maybe furniture. that's why it's so cold is it's haunted by your past. <laughs> <laughs> but my brother lived in there when I was in college. So he lived mean? in your room and then he had to move back out of it? Yeah, it was Weird. funny. Whoa. I have the same furniture I have in the 90s that my friends also have. It's like white, you know? It's like white furniture. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. There's some in this room. No, I don't think this is from the 90s. But um, yeah, may- like every kid from the 90s has like this white furniture. And maybe I, it's coming I, back and I, I should just hold on to it. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's from Ikea? <laughs> but it's not. It's from whatever. We didn't Ikea have Ikea didn't Ikea exist in the, in the That's what I'm saying. It's I mean, just it existed, like, but not in like America. It's just like kids' furniture that, you know, you can clean. It doesn't get dirty. And it was white. I what? Still, what I'm saying is I still have, like, the same book case and desk mm-hmm. and drawers that I did when I was a little kid. I wish I had those. The stuff I have now is garbage. <laughs> uh but those are down at my dad's house and it's very, oh my God. And then he like was at some used sale, AKA garage yard sale. And he was like, <laughs> holy shit, here's another piece of furniture from that series that we didn't have previously. Oh. <laughs> so like if you go down there now, it's like been added to. <laughs> so there's the trundle bed. So it's like some other kid's furniture that now yeah. is in your room. Yeah, That's there's creepy. like the trundle bed. 
<laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell that story. My dad bought a DVD player from a garage sale. <laughs> and when we opened it up, Star Wars Episode Five was in it. Nice. The Empire Strikes Back. The best Star Wars. Which, as I was saying, is if you were to take David Bowie albums and apply them to Star Wars, I think Empire Strikes Back would be low. <laughs> if that doesn't make any sense, listen to our previous episode <laughs> about David Bowie. That's, yeah. You need context with that. Okay. So tell tell us, you've got lots to say about yeah. Well, I'll just start by telling you a story that my professor in college told me, and I don't know. I have no idea if it's true or not. Oh, it, this is the apocryphal one. Yeah. It's an apocryphal story that I don't even remember the... Con- it was during a critique he told this story, and I don't this even remember the... Is a photo con- professor? No. Um, he's just an art professor. <laughs> Should I say <laughs> who it was? <laughs> no. I mean, so it wasn't any specific medium in no. general. No. This was in our studio or open studio senior class. He told us this story that um, Robert Ryman had a show, and he invited his mom and her friends to come. I love it already. (laughs) I knew you would. Robert Ryman's my favorite. I know. Wow. So his mom (laughs) and all of her friends went to see his show, and then she came back, and she was like, Robert, or Bob, (laughs) we really had a lovely time going to see your show, and the museum was beautiful, but... We couldn't find any of the paintings. <laughs> that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Because <laughs> his paintings are white, so they're like, "Yeah, when are you gonna finish the show, honey?" <laughs> God, what an asshole! I hope that story is true. I don't know if it's true. Um, that, they, the, so that are you sure that wasn't just like a really bad art joke? I don't know. I'm really gullible, so I would have believed it. <laughs> this is a kind of deadpan guy too, so you would never know if it was supposed to be a joke. Oh man, you know I met Robert Ryman. He's my hero. I know. Um, Tell the story. So I met him. He was uh, giving a lecture at the Art Institute. I'm trying. I like to mispronounce stuff, and I've been trying to get away to to make words that are T-U-B-C-H-U, like iTunes. <laughs> like you should you should follow us on iTunes. Um, and maybe it's still because of the David Bowie thing. Anyway. David Bowie? Yeah. I don't want to say that anymore. Go on. I want other people to say it. Okay. I'll just say shoot. Okay, go on. See where the Art Institute. Yes. In the, uh, it, before the lecture, and he was there, and, and – uh, there's a specific lecture they do called the A. James Spire. And I just went to it last week. Yeah. And I, so I used to work in the Department of Development there, which is uh, responsible for all of the funding. I'll say this this year's was Bridget Riley. Okay. And it was dope. And maybe we'll oh. talk about it another day. Okay. Very good. Um, <laughs> so the whole time they were always trying to get people to come and it's supposed to be contemporary art but it's for the sustaining fellows which is a certain level of donorship that has a certain level of age attached to it and um so they would always have a difficulty in getting someone contemporary but also someone that their particular donor i'm being very diplomatic here yes i am so good (laughs) (laughs) um don't yeah that would be uh you guys get the picture wink wink 
<laughs> uh, they can't see you winking. This oh, is. Oh, good thing it says so loud. Good thing it says wink every time I wink. wink. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so there would always be like a challenge, a, a number of challenges. So some between getting an artist and then, oh, will they come out? Uh, will the donors be interested in? Is it contemporary enough? Is it someone that's in the collection? Is it someone that maybe we're trying to get a piece from? So <laughs> we'll either do this and then will they gift a piece or are we going to acquire something? So there's a lot of thought. Thought politics involved and they were just always like who should we pick and i was always like robert ryman robert Robert ryman come and then they're like oh yeah he comes up like he was always shortlisted but like never quite made it and then of course the first time that now i'm in grad school and not in development they're like and this year's (laughs) buyer contemporary art lecture will be delivered by robert ryman um but so i was so excited we have a lot the art institute has a lot of his pieces yeah Totally. Um, they were all up, and I saw them like the day that that same professor took us to the Art Institute. <laughs> they're the ones that, that the probably way? his mom couldn't find because they're like kind of industrial. They're not really even paint. Well, I mean, they're paintings, no, they are but painted. they're like you know have industrial. It's the Elliot parts. Charter Room series. Yeah. Um, but was this in the modern wing? Yes, in the modern okay. wing. Yeah, I didn't like that. I well, so actually, there's God. This is like a really big digression. Digression. Um, but when they put all that artwork up in the modern wing, they like, especially for those special rooms like that, they had all the artists come in. And so I was also kind of surprised that they're like, oh yeah, he was totally into the way that was hung. And I was like, that was bullshit. The best <laughs> way it was hung was when the, the Elliott Charters room was hung in uh, where the old contemporary galleries were. Um, mm. And I probably didn't go see it because I was... Not really in on the scene. Anyway, okay, so but anyway, so this big hero of mine, and I met him, and I just want—I was just like, uh, you know, I'll just be straightforward and be like, hey, it's really cool to meet you. I love you. I'm so glad you're here. Something, and he just was like, hi, I'm Bob Ryman, and then he like (laughs) shook my hand, and I was like, holy cow, this is great. And now I've decided, so I've got a—I got a new cat, whose name is Bob, blah blah. Uh, but he goes by Bob for short, and so maybe I'm going to start. You know, saying it's like a backronym. He's named after Bob Ryman, the same way my other cat was Woody, and I don't know who he was named after. So I decided it was all Woody Guthrie, Woody Harrelson, and Woodrow Wilson. And Woody the cowboy from Toy Story. No. Yes. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, guys, I'm a cat dad. <laughs> yeah, parents. Am I right? My cat's always doing wonky child things. And you support his art. Yes. His Sometimes. cat his his creepy strange cat art. His performances. Um So do you have any actual stories about your parents? <laughs> I mean I do, but now I'm like scared no, to say, say them. No, I'm well, I'm pret- all tell them pretend it's like a children's story and it's like there once was a tree with a family of squirrels and the baby squirrel's name was Nina the squirrel. And she liked arranging her nuts and photographing them. <laughs> and her parents were like, nuts are for burying. What are you doing? And then they were like, this is crazy. You're just putting nuts on the photographic paper and leaving it out in the sun. That's not even. <laughs> That's not even photographing the nuts. That's not even a nuts. picture. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. 
No, okay, so I guess it starts... Um, Except if you were a squirrel, you could just go to another tree and be really easy. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you don't know what squirrel real estate is like. But your dark room's in like. the trunk, yeah. I know, it's like, if I leave my house, I leave my dark room. Which isn't even dark, it's just dim. That's why... I... <laughs> okay. And the saddest part, you guys, her dark room is not even that dark. <laughs> you don't even have any safe lights. Um, or safe words. <laughs> that's. Do you know the word? Okay. Oh, wait, I got it. No. I want to yeah. tell it. In okay. German, the word for dark room is dunkelkama, and that means darkness closet. But the word dunkelzimmer, which means dark room, is like a dark a room dungeon. where you go have anonymous gay sex. So if you're going to Germany and you want to develop some photos, you watch Be out. Very you careful. don't know where you're going to end up. Also, there's no more photography left because it's all digital. <laughs> that is not true, but that is okay. Um, I guess, yeah. Oh, why don't I just start at the beginning and tell you my whole life story? Okay. Okay. So I hated art class <laughs> as a child. <laughs> and I think this is why I know that I'm a good artist is because, you know, when they're like, because you know, I hate art. And that's right, just like, right. look at all the popular I art today. Clearly, this. those artists hate art. Exactly. No, you know when, like, you know, I don't know, Picasso was like, every child is an artist. You just have to regain whatever that fucking quote is that they put on oh, T-shirts Oh, I love that quote. No, because it's about how he had, he spent his entire life. Well, there's, like, a couple of child quotes. But, yeah, there's the one about, like, every child is an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's, like, you spend the rest of your life trying to get back to that. Yeah. I think that's a good. I think I like okay, that. Well, I'm sorry I made fun of it. But I just feel that. That's so okay. Opposite. I'm writing in. Okay. Well, because I had so much, they always are saying, oh, children don't have any creative anxiety. Children just, you know, like draw stuff and they don't care that it doesn't. And I just had so much like anger that I couldn't make things look like how I imagine them to look. I was just terrible at drawing. (laughs) I am still terrible at drawing. I would just not, I can't, I'm not a draftsman. I just couldn't make it Mm -hmm. work. And it was so emotionally frustrating to me. And then in school, all of the projects were like based on like based. It was like they, they were all social action projects or something where they'd be like <laughs> paint a painting about. Oh, I thought you meant like they were all like social practice. <laughs> yeah. No, they would be like, today we're going to talk about. Today I, we're going to cook Thai food like Rick Ritt Taravanesia. No, not like that social practice. Like. Like today, I want you all research to research a problem in the world and then make a painting about that problem. Or like, oh god, that is social practice. I right? know, and it or it was like, you know, we're painting a mural and everyone paints one part of the mural, and I was like, no, I don't want to paint. I hate. Murals. I don't want my art to be next to someone else's. Yeah, or they'd be like, paint a painting of a time you felt lost, and I was like, well, no one I know died, so I guess I'll paint a painting about my bird that died. Aww. <laughs> I just hated art class because it was they were always trying to get you to do projects like that. And it, at summer camp was even worse because like, you know, like socially what, you didn't minded. like making that thing where you take the two sticks and you make a cross. No, I love that. The, no, the no, no. I'm talking about it. like a Jewish camp where they make you like think about problems of the world or like the values of spiritual peoplehood. And you have to like make <laughs> work about that. Oh, man. I want to hear about <laughs> this. 
<laughs> I mean, that's basically what it oh. sounds like. I mean, I don't want to dump on the values of spiritual peoplehood if any JRF alumni are listening because that's a very important thing to me. I just didn't want to make art about it. I oh, would wait, much so rather... spiritual peoplehood is a thing? I thought you just left out a few words in the thing you were explaining. No, <laughs> it's a thing. Spiritual peoplehood. Ooh. Um. There is a value of spiritual peoplehood. It's called the Chidor Mitzvah, and it's called beautifying mitzvot. So it's like, you know, if you embroider um, a challah cover, you make a mezuzah, you make some kind of <laughs> Jewish... Stop laughing at me. It's serious. Like, if you make a Jewish ritual okay, object, but you need to slow beautiful. down and explain these terms. Not if you're Jewish and I'm listening. Am I right? High five. <laughs> Ollie's going. I'm listening to this podcast. What the heck? Well, we're half and half. We're like, uh... uh you know, like the Osmonds. Like, she's a little bit Jewish and he's a little bit Christian. Drinking blood from a yeah. bat. Wait. What? Oh, that <laughs> Who did that? Wait. Isn't that... Wait. I'm laughing too hard to say it. I thought he said um, the Osbournes. Oh. <laughs> I, okay. All right, we got to get back on track because we're losing it now. All right. Um, we won't talk anymore about Jewish camp art <laughs> and podcasts for another day. Anyway, when I was in eighth grade, we had this class called Art History. and um, What was that class about? It was Basically, it wasn't actually art history. that We would just learn about different movements and art and then try to make paintings that were like them. And mm. that was the first time I ever liked art because it wasn't about expressing a yourself. feeling about yeah <laughs> expressing a feeling about a thing that happened to you so it you're was saying about you're learning about, about different art. kinds of art yeah i don't know if i am now maybe i still am it's mm-hmm. that's up for debate but that was the first time i realized you could make art about that mm-hmm. and then i went to lane tech high school where you could be an art major and my mom that was pretty much the reason we chose that high school because my mom was like you could you like art you that could plus be an it was artist. like two blocks away <laughs> oh yeah that's there you know um, so they were supportive of me. And when I, we were touring colleges and I was like, I'm thinking of majoring in art history. One of the guys at one of the colleges was like, oh, you definitely have to do it. If you have parents that will let you major in art history, you have to do it. <laughs> Wait, why? <laughs> because most parents are like, that's a bullshit major. Uh, Get a real job. My parents never questioned my professional interest in art. They just questioned what I was like actually making. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, no, it is interesting to have, there's like general support, but not specific. Yeah. Specific support. Do you want to tell your life story? Hopefully shorter than mine, even though you're older, so it'll be longer. <laughs> we could talk um, less about Judaism. Yeah. Yeah. I think my life story has less Judaism in it. <laughs> not not being Jewish. Um, I They're just anecdotes. Okay. Uh, well, the main one I wanted to tell was uh, a story my dad told me that he now denies having ever told, uh, which is he told me once that he liked, well, he liked drawing. Oh, so I would always draw with him. Like one of my first memories is like uh, drawing with him and he, whatever the house we'd live in, he'd have an office. Like sometimes it would be usually in the basement (laughs) and, uh, Sometimes it actually was an office like set off from the rest of the basement or uh, in this other house. It was like this big desk like built into the wall or something. 
Uh, but anyway, like drawing with my dad and being really frustrated that he could like draw really well and I couldn't. Um, and it ties into a little bit what you were saying about like the art history class where mm -hmm. you just draw other artists. Like I think there's this whole sort of Oedipal process in art where when you're learning you um, see an artwork you like or an artist you like and you're like sort of trying to defeat them or conquer them or oh, like yeah. figure out the way they draw figure out the way they make work and like sort of absorb it and uh, you know eat it or something like that you know like sort of take it in and um, be better than them <clears throat> Yeah. So, and I would say actually my dad was the first person like that where I was just like so angry that I couldn't make my drawings do what his did. Um, and then I just remember him telling a story that when he was a kid, he wanted to take drawing lessons and his mother was like, no, you will take flute lessons. And then that was kind of the end of that. No. And he still has the flute somewhere. Oh. And then I brought that up like not even that long. Like I was in high school and he told me that and I brought him up brought that story up like later in high school and he's like what you know he's he gets very high pitched which is like <laughs> it's like a german thing that you like shriek when you're upset and um you talk normally in a low voice and so he's like what i never told you that <laughs> ah. yeah, um but and I he's think like i don't you know he's like i do not i that's you made that up i don't know you're, you're telling stories but yeah, I think that's what makes our story in some ways ridiculous, in some ways heartbreaking. Yeah. Is that our parents were not completely against us being artists or like dismissive. Right. Well, and I mean, so I don't know. So for me, like, or they were part encouraging of me being of an artist being is creative like, and I'm like, I'm, I'm doing that thing you couldn't do. Cause you have mm. this drawing talent. And like, I was like, I even have like in a frame somewhere, uh, I borrowed a book from him, his like Western history civ book or something because I was at the Art Institute and you don't always get to learn those kinds of things <laughs> when you want to. Um, I just wanted like a textbook like that that had, you know, like everything you don't learn in the American education system, which is basically history outside of the Western the tradition. No, no. Oh, like no. when I, I, I had and I had a very high level of American public school. Uh, education and there was one year of Western Civ which was like everything in Europe from zero to as far as we got that semester and then the other like 10 years of my education was like that's how every all... year pilgrims till now <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean that's how all my art history has been it's always as much as you can cram into the semester and then you spend yeah. three weeks on abex and then suddenly it's only 1970 and you're done with you know your modern contemporary class and you're like what 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 so nothing the in my mind nothing even now I know nothing happened after yeah. 1973 because that's as far as I got in any art yeah. class. Um, I remember because for AP art history, you had to like be, they would ask you anything from Neolithic art until postmodern. Like it was just, you know, all fair game. And we just shoved contemporary art into like the last two weeks before the test. And then Barbara Kruger was on the test and I knew it. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, good it's thing so we had It's so weird when you weeks. look at those books because they have like the most random. And then you're like, okay, maybe Chardin is also that random. But then Because I they're thought, like, they're like contemporary art. And then it's like someone that's only ever been mentioned in the Jansen history of art. And so they like did make it into the history books, but not, not, not into else. any of the museum collection. 
it's it's also like I can't. It's weird. Remember, I it's weird remembering what I was like before because I found my old practice test and it was like, which of these artists is surrealist? Uh, you know, or or Dada, and it was like Marcel Duchamp or Jasper Johns, and I was like Jasper Johns, definitely. Oh <laughs> like, well, you know, for a so, long, but that that's actually anything. a bullshit question though, because for a long time was... before pop was coined, it was called neo Dada. Mm. So actually, Johns would that was like almost a trick question. I was I would be I the guy that so would be like, foresight. well, actually, because <laughs> I am going to pick Jasper Johns because it was called neo Dada. <laughs> I had so much foresight, and I was like. You know, only 16. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it. Um, but um, anyway, back to the history, the literally the history book um, that I borrowed from my dad. It had this like yellow legal pad, like fountain pen drawing he'd done as a college student of fucking Durer's Melancholia. Whoa. So I took that out and I kept it <laughs> and I gave him the book back. And that'll be on the Tumblr. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's, I'm that's, just that's special, kidding. Eric. It's private. Yeah. Um, um, well, I think my problem is my problem my parent problem <laughs> my problem is my parents my problem no um my mom is an incredibly creative and crafty person and she likes making beautiful cutesy things and and making and she's good at drawing and she's also creative you know like in other ways and thinking of good ideas but she doesn't understand like giving birth to you and your brother <laughs> No, she just doesn't understand the work respect, that I'm making honey. or why I would want to make it. Yeah. Um, and that's the hardest part. Did she ever if like she was, your work? And I, I feel like this about people that I date, too. If they're like, I like art, I make comics, or I like art, and I, <laughs> like, I'm like, i a graphic designer. I mean, I, I'm saying this, and all my graphic designer they're and comic really friends are going to hate fucking... me, but that's not what I mean. I mean people No, that's who... exactly what you mean, and we all know it, and I you mean, at home know it. Uh-oh. No. People who do art as a hobby sometimes are worse companions for artists because oh. they can't understand the depth that you care about this and and the mindset that you're in and the world in which you're communicating those things. And I f- would rather have, a you know, well, I'd rather have a partner who was an artist, but I would rather have a partner who is like, a, you know, computer programmer or you know some kind of did science who sort of didn't feel like he needed to dabble in my art at all it's the dabblers the cultural dabblers yeah as we're sitting here i'm thinking in hindsight i should have charged that lawyer a thousand dollars for a painting i was on a i was on a date once and i think they were a lawyer and then they were like wanting they were sort of saying what you were saying or or they were wanting to something decorative or it was like just for conversation and it was like how much would you charge or something and i was like trying to explain that like i wouldn't make that kind of painting yeah and then i was trying to be like why would why don't i just teach you how to paint and then you just make whatever painting you want the way it was and i think she got really frustrated now i'm like well she was a fucking lawyer so i should have just been like a thousand dollars i'll paint you a red abstract picture for a thousand (laughs) dollars That's what you want to hear. yourself out more. But I was like trying to be, you know, a real person. And I was like, well, I th- wouldn't you be more satisfied if you like, you know. Made the kind of painting you want to make. Yeah. Why have me make a single painting of a fish for you today when I could teach you how to paint <laughs> fish your whole life? And then you can fill your apartment with these fish paintings. <laughs> yeah. Um, the point I wanted to make, though, about. My dad and then also my mom. This is like the sentimental part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I really think he was awesome at drawing and I felt really sad, you know, I mean, I think it's cool what he ended up doing and he found science and, and that's like his thing, but that he had like such a bullshit childhood in that way. And that, that they're like, no, you're taking the flute, mm-hmm. which, you know, clearly didn't last, but he drew much longer. I mean, he's like, you know, like I was saying, he's drawing Durr's melancholia instead of taking notes in college. So I kind of looked at it as like, all right, well, I'm sort of like not just doing this for me. It's like for my parents that had these things that didn't, they sacrificed one way or another. For him, it was cut short very early in life. For my mom is like a classical musician and she sort of decided to not run away <laughs> from her family. And um, cause she talked about that, like, um, when my parents first got married and it was just my first uh, or my oldest sister and she was still like studying and like uh, ironically at Roosevelt university at the auditorium theater, which, you know, it's it's the Chicago conservatory. Yeah. So now I'm teaching in the auditorium building. Yeah. And so she would like commute from Homewood, which also ironically our family moved back to like 30 years later and she said, like, there was literally a time where she was like, well, uh, fuck it. I'm just going to leave my husband and child and, like, run away and join the orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> and she did it. And um, so, so so I also, I don't know, I guess I feel like that's why I'm doing it. Um, but then I guess, I don't know. Yeah, so. I'm doing it because I love it and I can't not. Yeah, Do there's it. that too. I mean, what's Which also is, really informative, uh, like to have someone creative like that in your life growing up, like even though my mom's a musician, not mm-hmm. a visual artist, but like that I could talk about all these really weird art problems that, and mm-hmm. like she could like kind of get it. And I can't because right. they don't get it. And they say that to me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about the, I don't get this phenomenon. Yes. What, or you want me to talk about it? Well, I'll talk about it. I <laughs> I mean, I have stuff to say, too. Because then I could tell you now. Yeah, now it's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't get this. Is like There's a, a deep dark well. Side. There's like a deep well of, of associations with that phrase. Because it's something that we don't just hear from our parents. We hear that from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. People who think that art isn't worth their time. And... I, it's such a hard problem for me because it, you not all art you're supposed to get. And I think we learned that in our Christopher Williams yeah. episode. But the pleasure of looking at art is is learning and understanding. I think Lucy wait, McKenzie... Wait, 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 pause. Wait, what pause. do you mean? You're like... like- like, you're like the not all art figuring... you're supposed to get, but art is about understanding. <laughs> no, it's about <laughs> the process of trying to figure it out, I think. Yeah. Yeah, finding out your own the answer for yourself, and people fucking hate that. Like they just I know. want they want it to be apparent, and they also want to be able to walk in this kind of circumambulatory way around a gallery like and look at things for just a couple of seconds. They don't mm. stand and and look at something for a long time, and that's why video art is a failure, I think, in gallery settings. Yes, yeah. well, because you're also always walking in the middle, right? Like, is it, it the, had, the video art that's successful is the kind that's kind of on a loop that could, that doesn't have the beginning, middle and end because it's sort of 
adjusting who it is, who it is as a thing in order to be like, well, it has to be something that can always be running. So if someone comes in, they can still get it. That's, or if there is yeah. beginning, middle and end, it needs to be like a minute long. So like you someone will say, oh, OK, I'll, I'll wait till. Right. I always check to see what the duration of a video is so that I can stay there and watch the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And if I don't, then I'm fucked. Like when I went to see that Andy Warhol five hour video of the Empire State (laughs) Building. (laughs) Like that time I went (laughs) and punched Empire. I was like, hmm. I think it's longer than five hours. Is it eight hours? I don't know. (laughs) It was too long to stand and watch. I'll say that. It's long. Um, Six. It's six hours. Oh, but anyway, um, yeah, people don't want to give their attention. And I think I love that, that story. Um, like, Nina went into the gallery and it's like, oh, fuck, is this thing <laughs> to end yet? I didn't know. Oh, they turned the lights the on. Thing. It's night. <laughs> night in the video or night in the museum? No, that, well, that, that's described <laughs> as the cinematic climax of that film that if, oh. if there was to be, um, a climax to that film it's is when, it's when the night. sun goes down and they turn the lights on <laughs> on the empire state building like that's the the climax. action yeah that's the climax of the film yeah um anyway but i think that lucy mckenzie um said it best she said people always say they want their no they don't feel anything when they look at a work of art but she said thinking is feeling and that's how i relate yeah. to art and that really struck a chord with me because the process of figuring something out and the process of a work of art making me think is the pleasure in looking at it combined with the kind of Kantian pleasure of looking at an attractive piece of art and I I do think that aesthetics are important in art I like art that is beautiful Mm -hmm. but it has to have both or it's you know or I would like it you know as the design for a trapper keeper or something and not as a work of art. So how does that relate to your parents? So my mom, my mom always says it doesn't move me. Mm. It doesn't move me. And she said this to me at a lot of kind of crucial points in my life. (laughs) Oh no. That hurt my feelings a lot. And I couldn't describe that to her, but you know, basically I mean, the first time I remember, I won an award for a photograph I took when I was in high school, and I got to go to, I was the Scholastic Art and Writing Awards. I'll plug them because they're really cool. I got to go to New York City and accept my award at Carnegie Hall. Oh, nice. I won an American. What? You've played Carnegie. I did. God damn it. <laughs> I won an American <laughs> Visions Award. Whoa. Yeah. And um, so did Andy Warhol and Sylvia Plath. <laughs> Sylvia and they Plath. turned out just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia Plath won for painting. Did you know that? Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So. I, can, I just had like a flash of what that painting went. Like. <laughs> Who knows? So I'll have to look that up later. Um, but, it, you know, it was a it was a picture that I took while we were on vacation in Japan and was these two women. They were like models modeling for something. And there was like men all over taking pictures of them. And I took a picture of their shoes and their like parasols on the ground. Um and he won this award, and my mom was just like, I don't really see what all the fuss is about. Oh, man. This picture is sort of weird. Wow. It's not even of their face. <laughs> I was like, uh-huh. And then, I'm, again, at my senior show, I had this picture of my friend Simone, and she was naked in this, like, um, setup. Um, this with is all these... for undergrad? Or... Yeah, this was okay. my undergrad senior show. And... um 
my friend Simone also kind of didn't know why I was making her do this, but she was a really amazing model and and good collaborator. And she just was like, okay, yeah, whatever you want to do, we'll do, which is a great attitude to have about art, in my opinion. And again, my mom was like- Especially when you're trying to get someone naked. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is a talent of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, she was like, "Yeah, I just don't get it. I just, just don't know what all the fuss is about." And uh. so it's like, at particular moments of praise, and and I just, the hardest part for me is like, other people get it, yeah. and other people find a lot of value in it. Isn't that enough for you? But it, it's Do you not. Think it's when so you hurtful. say when you say the the fuss part, I almost feel like that's the sort of like jealousy or something or like there's a little bit of like fuck you or something you know like (laughs) like that's something you say when like your sibling or something like oh you're trying to be polite but you're also like why isn't my thing up here and why do they get the trophy and I don't know I mean that's more of a sibling thing but it does I don't know when I hear that phrase I think like it's sort of like well she feels that it insults her intelligence uh, that I'm making this stuff and other people think it's great and she doesn't understand why it's so great. So it must be not that great. So my something. mom was really supportive and she continues to be, but in later years. So that's why I was like, did your mom ever like anything you did? Because my mom used to really <laughs> like the stuff I did. And then like the further I've gotten along and then also we don't talk the same way we used to about everything art related that I'm working on mm-hmm. and you know, that I'm like at UFC and then just, you know, doing an empty room or whatever. I didn't literally do an empty room, but you know, it was close. <laughs> what, um, what did you say on the first podcast? It's about boners, about stuff about labels. Yeah. Like, a, uh, yeah. Like a grad school boner would be the like Christopher Williams where it's like an empty gallery. And then there's like a prosthetic Ooh, wall in front of the wall and then a single photo on it. And you're just like, <laughs> yes. Um, Nerd, mana. nerd. So, well, there actually there was there was a time in undergrad too, where she would be like really upset or make fun of me or something, like literally make fun of me, and then like feel really bad, and then like send this you know apology letter or something. Like there was this guest book at this one show when I when I was doing these cartoon dogs, and so I made this show of paintings of like cartoon paintings on cardboard blocks and then they were hung at dog height so it was all hung (laughs) and then there were sculptures of dogs like looking at the work and (laughs) I should just do that again give up the serious art yeah yeah, and when she loved the dog character so I don't remember what the issue was that day but she felt really bad so she sent me this card with like these stickers that I was supposed to put in the comment book over what she wrote the day of the show oh no and then I felt bad that she felt bad. And then there's this like kind of she has this unerring capacity to like. She's not always that funny, but when she's most hilarious is when you're like, I don't talk too much about my problems, but this is something. And then not only is it like she's making fun of your problems, but it's also like the funniest shit she like ever oh, says. Oh, God. Um, that's rough which luckily i can't think of any at this moment but that actually i had i had mm-hmm. i wasn't overheard because the show that i did when i got the teaching fellowship after grad school uh, and you do a show 
And this show in particular involved I cut down walls and laid them flat on the floor, and then I stuck like a Christopher Williams. Yeah, but I did this in 2010. Oh shit, fucker. Um, <laughs> it was a good show, and then there's a video in the back, and then she came in and said something, and it was again like really hilarious and insulting, and I couldn't remember it. And then I actually met a friend through a friend, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I was at that show you were at," and and he's like. I said something and he's like, oh, I know what she said because he was the person in the room. Oh, what did she say? <laughs> my mom said. And she was like trying not. She was like, Eric, I hate to be the one to say it. but And she's like trying not to laugh. She's like, but the emperor has no clothes. Oh. <laughs> <coughs> and oh, uh, and like I couldn't so remember what she said. And then the guy was like, oh, I totally remember that. I remember. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. Um. Well, yeah, and then and it's that's, again. Okay. Then she'll feel really bad afterwards, and then we have to go through this whole like my apology thing. My mom's defense is: Why does she have to get it? Why does she have to be the one? Why do I have to keep trying to engage her in understanding it? And that's part of the reason is because we're very close, and it's mm-hmm. probably the most important thing to me. And so, you know, the fact that we can't interact on that makes me kind of upset. But. She's like, why can't, you know, my brother's training to be a scientist and he doesn't come down to her and be like, oh, yeah, you know, it was so great. We like mix this benzene in the velocity. And then we got high. (laughs) You know, he doesn't like go on and on and on about that because he knows she won't understand it or care. And why can't I have that attitude about art with her? But the problem is she, you know, lets my brother do his thing and responds kind of just like, you know, generally. But she has kind of an active disdain for the things that I'm doing or making. And mm. it's not just like polite indifference. And that's, you know, I didn't ask my dad if I could talk about this on the podcast because he is kind of a polite indifference. He's like, oh, that's nice, dear. He was a little upset when he found the naked pictures of myself. <laughs> oh, by right. rifling oh. through my portfolio oh. without oh. asking. Oh, man. But. That was a good story. Yeah, that was. Um, actually, that was the only story. But that was like you were like, "Oh my god, this hat!" Because I because you wouldn't tell me how it happened, and I was like, "What the fuck were you doing, leaving all these photos in the middle of the dining room table, spread out for anyone to see?" And then you're like, "Well, no, they were in this like tied up folio, zipped, with that said, Neener secret pictures, do not touch." Yeah. Or actually, I think they were like in an envelope from yeah. Costco because we got oh. them printed. Oh, and then he was like, and, and the he, printers on this? No, he, yeah. Oh, well, that man like, gives me my medications. <laughs> you know that will it play in Peoria yeah. phrase? Uh, the first time I printed naked pictures, I <laughs> sent them to the printer in Peoria and they were like, this has nudity in it. And I was like, yeah, it's art. And they were like, <laughs> I don't think we can print this. And I was like, I need you to print it. The show is in a couple of hours. And then he's like, fine, we'll print it, but don't open it in the store. (laughs) (laughs) So it won't play in Peoria, you guys. Um, But it's, yeah. 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 I mean, that's the point is like, I guess my art is shocking to some people, but it's relatively innocuous in the history and pantheon of art. Yeah. I think you should do what you feel. I do. But all right. So it's about time to wrap up. I want to end up with a, a little bit of background on the Go ahead. Um Oh, okay, cool. Um 
Yeah, where to we go from talk, there? We want to talk about some art parents of artists that aren't our parents. Oh, okay. No, I, I mean, you could do a whole show on just uh, therapy for artists. Um, no, I have a thought that hasn't quite formed yet that mm-hmm. I, I want to wrap up on. So we'll, I'll, I'll, when that happens, I'll let you know. Okay. Uh, but I did well, want to I talk- wanted to. Oh, okay. oh, oh, did you have something? Well, I want at one point or another, so we might as well now. Um, the image that's this week is a portrait called The Artist and His Mother by Argile Gorky, um, who is was an um, an Armenian-American artist uh, and kind of part of the abstract expressionist scene, but not maybe quite as known as the other abexers, but is definitely known. So um, I'm not trying to get obscurity points because people are like, mm-hmm. so anyway, he had this painting. That, Even I knew who he was. Oh, see, I'm, I'm not special. Um, I don't know. You know, I want to give some background on the artist, but not. Too no, much. I so agree. he was a Armenian refugee and he kind of survived the uh, the Ottoman Turk Holocaust of trying to exterminate the Armenians um, and was an immigrant to America and actually just had a very all around really tragic, depressing life as I will flesh out in a moment when I read a little bit from the National Gallery of Art about this portrait that he has a couple versions of, one's in the National Gallery and one's in the Whitney. Um, so after scra- d- escaping those atrocities, uh, he was living in New York and made some really amazing artwork and was really instrumental in that kind of period that led to Abex and you've, you know, like the likes of Hans Hoffman and uh, de Kooning and Pollock, who's awesome. <laughs> um, Squirrels really are better great. than shapes. Woo. Woo. Um, and I was also, he also like, part of what really interested me is I had in my AP art history, he had this great painting in the book. Uh, one of his masterpieces is called The Liver is the Coxcomb, uh, which yeah. no one knows what that means. <laughs> I'm sure it's probably really obvious, but I don't get it. Um, I don't know. So he was just someone that interested me. Um, but so after escaping that, uh, he was in New York for a while and then like his wife left him and he like got, got in a car crash and was paralyzed oh, and his studio burned down. In and the same he, day? No, I'm not <laughs> actually not in the same day, but possibly the same week or the oh. same year. I mean, it was like studio burned down with like a ton of his work in it. Wife left him paralyzed and then he what killed himself. What if his wife burned down his studio and then on the way from burning down his studio, he she crashed into mm-hmm. his car on purpose? I don't know. But I don't know if you heard that part that I said he then he killed, killed himself. himself. <laughs> so I probably shouldn't have overshadowed <laughs> that with goofiness. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm... <laughs> uh, so it's really sad. I mean, the whole thing is sad. Um, but as, I mean, I was interested in the work and I liked this portrait, which you'll see is just this very like stern kind of depressing portrait but it I don't know it stuck with me particularly because my mother was so supportive of my work um and yeah just like all the conversations we had and stuff like that so I was I don't know what that image stuck out to me and and of course it did for him too because he did kind of multiple versions um but this is what the National Gallery has to say in March of 1919 14 year old and I apologize for the poor mispronunciation um 14 year old Vastenig Manug Adoyan watched his mother starve to death, one of countless victims of the Ottoman Turkish effort to displace or exterminate the empire's Armenian population. Wow. <laughs> um, Let that sink in. 
Years later, after migrating to the United States and adopting the name Arjilek Gorky, the boy turned artist came across this photo of himself and his mother taken in 1912 when he was eight. The photograph became a touchstone for the artist and his mother. That's the title of the piece, uh, which would preoccupy Gorky on and off from 1926 until about 1942. Both an exploration of modern painting and an emotional evocation of personal and national tragedy is one of the most powerful portraits of the 20th century. So that's why I picked that for this episode. <laughs> um, it has, yeah, it has an intense biography behind it, but it also, I don't know, being like a kid growing up and my parents split up. So like, it's this portrait of just him and his mother and thinking about all that. Uh, like I said, all that, the those late nights where she would talk to me because I only got really awake and excited right before it was bedtime, you <gasps> me know? Me too. Oh, my mother has to deal with yeah. that too. And then, uh, then I start crying and it's yeah. like, oh, Well, I'm and then you sorry, really think Mom. of like parental sacrifice because then she would like get in trouble at work the next day because she'd like fall asleep oh, at her no. desk because she was like talking to me <laughs> till like 11 or whatever. And then. Oh, I have that same syndrome. Yeah. The, like got to talk about all my mm-hmm. problems at 11.59 well, syndrome. Not just problems, but like, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think anything. a lot of ours were really like energized energized like art stuff to you yeah. yeah like art problems yeah art problems are energizing yeah that's why and she's like i really ha-, like i and then she'd be like i love talking about this i'm so glad i have a kid that wants to talk about this oh i have the exact opposite yeah. my mom's like oh why do you always come to me with your art problems i don't know how to solve them i don't know things about art i don't know put why don't you go it? talk to your art friends about it why don't you go start an art podcast where you can talk about all your art problems <laughs> what i did i yes. did take that <laughs> because i'll talk about my art problems with anyone who will listen <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag art problems tweeted at us. Um, oh, that was another thing I wanted to bring out. Because uh, as I've talked to some people that we were going to do this show, everyone had some kind of story. So we would definitely, if you want to share your uh, art parent story, write into our email at I don't hate this at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you, you had a. I think a, a that wraps it up pretty nicely. Okay. Um, I just want to make sure if there are any final comments. Um, I feel, I feel like mine will bring things out. All right. Well, now I'm already talking. So I'm, well, I was just thinking like, what is it like if both of your parents are artists? Oh yeah. Will you end up screwed up on the opposite end? You'll probably end end up like an economist or like anything sensible as possible. (laughs) You'll end up like Lena Dunham. Oh, (laughs) that was not okay. (laughs) It was going to be a Lena Dunham free episode. (laughs) This is a this is a safe zone. Elena Dunham free zone. I well, love, her dad I paints buttholes. Yeah, <laughs> and her mom photographs dolls. Um, it's sometimes dolls buttholes. I don't think she ever. I'm had definitely a like regretting that. encouraging you to <laughs> yeah, talk. have the last word. <laughs> so last word then is Lena Dunham. No, Thank shut you so the much fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, remind me the next time that you're like, I don't want to talk about it. Be like. It's a disaster. We'll talk it's about probably, how probably, if I say, oh, maybe we shouldn't talk about it, it's definitely well, I about I thought Dunham. it was going to be just like some sad story from your childhood, not not uh, publicizing people that don't need more attention. Ugh. Um, so you can, you can follow us on iTunes. Please uh, rate, rate and review. It, help, it helps out our metrics. <laughs> um, 
you can check out the Tumblr where we put our bonus materials at I don't hate this pod.tumblr.com and follow us on Twitter at I don't hate this. And thank you very much. This has been I, I don't, don't hate, hate this. this. I'm Eric Wenzel. I'm Nina Lidoff. And part of the Andre Kello Media Podcast Empire. Thanks for listening. Bye. Do 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 do.